0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet church service. I am so happy that you are here today. Praise the Lord. I want to share a message with you today from God's Word. Before we do that, let's jump into Isaiah chapter 1, and let's receive first the tithes and offerings. Let's honor the Lord and bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. Now, Isaiah 119, I believe, is a verse that some of you have actually memorized, which is very good. It says, if you are willing and obedient. So, the word if, we know there's a condition here. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So, if we are willing and obedient, if we fulfill that promise, those conditions that is attached to it, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land eating the good of the land, I think that, you know, even if you like a simple diet, and you just really want to live off saltine crackers and ramen noodles, that's good. But I think that if you're in a position where you're blessed, if you want to eat something different, you can. If you want to go out to a certain restaurant, you should be able to do that. That's part of the blessing, if you are willing and obedient, of course, to the teachings of God's Word. That's what that is in reference to. You shall eat the good of the land. Okay, so whether that's, you know, corn on the cob or steak and potatoes, (coughs) excuse me, or whatever it might be, it's just that God wants you to have the best. And you really should see yourself in the image of God in Christ and that God has made available for you His best and He actually wants you to receive His best. Let me say this if God wants you to eat the best, I believe that God also wants you to drive the best. I really do. And if you want to drive, you know, a certain type of vehicle that may be, uh, you know, a little bit out of reach right now, then you need to use your faith for that, and believe God for that. And I believe that not not only does God want His people to eat the best, drive the best, I believe the Lord wants you to live in the best. Praise the Lord. Well, it doesn't mean that you need a 50,000 square foot mansion, Uh, But neither does it mean that you need to always stay in a place of little or containment. You can use your faith and believe God for something larger. Maybe you want to have friends over, guests over. Maybe you want to have a Bible study in your house. Kind of hard to do that when you've only got 300 square feet to live in. Praise the Lord. I believe that the Lord wants you to live in the best. So these wonderful blessings of being able to enjoy the good of the land, eating the good of the land, having God's best are connected with our willingness to be obedient to what God says, and to have a willing heart, to do it with a good attitude. Praise God. Concerning honoring the Lord with tithes and offerings, I really believe that there are, you know, those that don't tithe. And what happens for the non-tither is that things just get tighter, Until you start tithing, it's only going to just get tighter, and tighter, and tighter. And you'll never, you're never really going to come into the good of the land, and eat the good of the land, the Canaan land, that God has promised. Praise the Lord. You know, I was looking earlier at the verse in uh, Haggai chapter 1. Let me just read a verse there. Uh, Haggai 1 verse 6, you have sown much, and bring in little. And unfortunately, that's the uh, testimony of Some people, not that they're standing up testifying about that, but that is their life experience, even as a Christian. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Let me read that part again. He who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. So, God doesn't want holes in your life. God wants holiness in your life. Holiness is more than just moral purity. That's a big part of it. But holiness really is obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. You'll obey obey my teachings. So, holiness is related to obedience. Holiness is related to the spirit of the fear of the Lord. What does the spirit of the fear of the Lord produce in your life? really, I could describe it in two words, careful living. Well, Pastor Stephen, what do you mean by careful living? Well, I mean that you're just careful about the way you live your life. You don't want to offend God. You don't want to ever intentionally uh, offend a person. You want to have a good Christian witness. You just want to live a life where your life glorifies the Lord, and you know, you're setting yourself up For heavenly reward. Praise God. So, spirit of the fear of the Lord in your life produces careful living. You want to tithe. And not only do you want to tithe when money comes in, you want to tithe first. Don't pay all kinds of bills first and then think, well, Lord, I don't have anything left for you. See, that's why people have holes in their finances. They put God last. And that's really what was going on in Haggai chapter 1 is that they had no heart for God's house, for the temple to be rebuilt. And it it was in ruins and was neglected. And, uh, you know, of course, today we are the temple of of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God. But basically, it was saying that they did not have a heart for the things of God. The things that were on God's heart uh, were not on their heart. Just their own stuff is what was consuming their thoughts and their actions and their life. Praise the Lord. So, I believe that we need to have God's heart. We need to put God first, put God's things first. And when money comes into us, We need to tithe first, not last. We need to tithe first. People email me and say sometimes, Pastor Stephen, um, I want to tithe, but I don't have enough money well, that's why you don't have enough money, because you're not tithing. And until you start tithing, it's just going to continue to get tighter. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. There should be a point where a believer examines their life, and, you know, if something's not working after five, ten, twenty years, they should say, you know, we really should do this different. We should fix it. What should we do that's different? Work the Word. Praise God. Obey the Lord. If you're willing and obedient, then you get to eat. Uh, the good of the land. Praise God. So, you want to be obedient to the Lord with your tithes and offerings. You want holiness, not holes in your finances. Praise the Lord. God's helping you. God's helping you. Now, uh, if you're in that category where you've not honored the Lord with your finances, uh, obedience, obedience is something that will cause the holes to get closed up, and you're not losing money, and the car breaking down, and all kinds of weird things going wrong that are just draining your money, and it just just goes just like that. Not only uh, poor spending choices, but just all kinds of unexpected bills popping up, and you're always coming up short. Even if you have a good income, still you're just, it's just, you're never in the overflow Praise God. So walk in obedience, have a good heart, and you'll see God bless you. And you'll see the holiness of the Lord touch your finances. It's a very beautiful thing. Glory to God. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people as they honor you now by bringing the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse. That if there's any holes in their life where there's financial leakage, that it be fixed. We thank you, Father God, that the enemy cannot steal from them, cannot take what rightfully belongs to them. We thank you, Father God, that I see your people eating the good of the land, driving the best, wearing the best, living in the best. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Your your promises are amazing. We give you praise. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Those of you that are mailing your tithes and offerings in to the ministry, please send them to Stephen Brooks International. PO Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code here is 28654. Again, 28654. If you want to go online and bring the tithes and offerings in online, please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap on the homepage. You can click that and bring the tithes and offerings in. Praise the Lord. And say, I'm blessed, hallelujah. Make that be your confession. Say, I am blessed. Say this, say, I eat the good of the land. Say, I drive the good of the land. Come on, some of you, you desire a better vehicle. Amen. This is how you get there, through obedience. Amen. Say, I live in the good of the land. Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus. God really does want you to have His best. He's never, ever holding back from you. It, this this is very important. We must be obedient. We must work with God's principles, and when we do, God takes us to the top. Praise God. Now today, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter ten. First Corinthians chapter ten. This has been um, a busy past week, where um, within oh about seven less than seven days, I've I've preached uh, fifteen messages, fifteen full sermons. We've been doing a lot of recording. Uh, in the television studio, and it's really wonderful what the Lord is doing there. So, also thank you so many of you that have sowed into that Pure Gold Covenant Partners, those of you that gave special donations so that these programs, uh, the recording of them and all the editing and everything could be paid for ahead of time. God bless you. We have been at work and it is Coming out really, really well. All the programs now are in post-production, which means they are, they've already been filmed, they've already been shot. Now they go and they get um, all the little special, um, I guess you could just call it special effects done to them, and uh, get all the scriptures popped in and stuff like that, and then they'll get ready to be released on various networks. Praise God. Okay, today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. and Let's start today in verse 1. Heavenly Father, we ask it as we go into Your Word, that Your Word really come into us and gain that entrance into our hearts, that we can really see it, and that Your Word be alive. We know that Your Word is a sword, O God, and so let it do its work, let it do its righteous work in our lives. We thank you, thank you for eyes of understanding. In Jesus' name, and together we all agree and say, Amen. First Corinthians chapter ten, verse one. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. All were immersed into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, verse 6, Now these things became our examples. The word example or examples, they're plural. In the Greek is the word uh, types. And maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've heard a pastor talk about Old Testament types. Um, types would be here translated examples. Uh, in other words, when you looked at the story of Israel in the Old Testament, those were real life experiences, but they also were examples or types. That's a theological term, meaning. We can look at it from a natural perspective and, and you know study it from that angle, but it always has a spiritual implication for the New covenant believer, and that's why it's an example for us. All of those events are examples for us to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted and then of course, uh, Paul goes through various verses here, discovering uh, the various pitfalls. That the children of Israel got tangled up in. Now, verse 11. Now, all these things happened to them as examples. Again, there's the word types, meaning an example or a figure that you can look at that and you can see how that can apply to your life today as a Christian. And they were written for our admonition. Uh, the word admonition can mean encouragement, it can also mean a, in the Greek it can also mean a mild rebuke. It's not that God's trying to, you know, uh, you know condemn you or anything like that. But it, it can be a word of encouragement. In other words, be careful. Keep on going. Be strong. You don't want to fall short like they did. That's not going to be your portion, but to make sure that it's not. Let's keep uh, admonishing each other, and let's keep pushing forward, and let's keep going after the Lord with all of our heart. That's what that's referring to. So, they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So, we are in the last days. Technically, if we want to be more accurate, we are actually in the last days of the last days. And it is really time to be on our spiritual toes, having our lives right with God, being ready for the moving of the Spirit, and the great things that God is bringing into the body of Christ in this hour. Praise the Lord. Now, understand that uh, as you read through the Old Testament, and you see the beautiful journey of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, then going through that uh, fierce desert experience for 40 years, then eventually getting to the Jordan River, crossing over into the Canaan land. All of this, all of this is a type of a spiritual walk. In other words, that was a journey they went on, but that same journey they went on, there are so many parallels that are exact replicas of things that we have to go through in our lives as we are on our journey to the heavenly city, to one day stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a day, my friends, that is going to be. Stop and think about it, how how here we see these examples in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, for example, it says they were all baptized into Moses. Well, yes, coming out of Egypt, coming out of a, the symbol of the world system, with Egypt representing all the sin, sickness, disease, and bondage and slavery as a type of slavery to sin oh, all the hardships were even. Uh, Egypt was, call, was called the iron furnace, also referred to as the furnace of affliction. And it was a form of world uh, of sinful bondage. And so coming out of Egypt, coming out of the world, getting saved, getting your life right with God, moving from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, leaving the control of Pharaoh, leaving the control of Satan. Pharaoh was a type or a figure of Satan. Even the headdress that Pharaoh wore had the emblem of the snake, and uh, so many things with all of the occultism and demonic worship going on in that culture. It was a great example of the world system with all of its sin, All of its bondage and all of its wickedness and darkness. So Egypt was that place. Where the children of Israel were delivered. They were set free. Just like for us, we're born again. We're born again. We're saved, washed with the blood of Jesus. And then you have water baptism. And that's here what it is referring to. All were baptized in the Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And we see other examples in the Bible referring to that when they went down into the Red Sea, that was a type of water baptism glory to God. So there's salvation. There's water baptism. That's it, Pastor Stephen, we've made it. No, that's just the beginning. (laughs) In so many ways, that's just the beginning of the journey. And of course, what a wonderful uh, journey that it is. And then, then eventually there's uh, other glorious experiences, such as Exodus chapter 19, where you have the Mount Sinai experience. Oh, Woo, heavy duty, fire on the mountain, the Ten Commandments. And of course, all of that took place during what is known as the Feast of Pentecost. So, Pentecost represents for the believer the, the experience that you have in life where you have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so you come out of Egypt, and then you have uh, the Red Sea, the water. You know, so, coming out of Egypt, salvation, uh, going through the Red Sea, water baptism. A uh, little bit later. You're out in the uh, Sinai Desert. Now you have the Ten Commandments coming down. You have it all going on on the day of Pentecost, and that represents the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. No warfare yet. There was no warfare at Sinai. You can get filled with the Holy Spirit um, w- without too much trouble from the devil. Really, you get, you get the, um, w- the warfare when you get into the Canaan land. But you have to cross the Jordan River, really, before you get into the Canaan land. That's where you really have clashes with the enemy, and you you engage the powers of darkness and overcome them through uh, the word of your testimony, the blood of the Lamb, and loving not your life unto death, so forth. So, it's a journey. It's a journey, praise God. And there, there in the Sinai Desert, you had the children of Israel receiving the Ten Commandments, which is a type of the Holy Spirit baptism, you know, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, is still is still it's not the final destination. You still have to continue on. I know that there's a lot of um, Pentecostals. They think once you've got the baptism in the Holy Spirit and you've got tongues, uh, you're on the top of the mountain. You're on top of Mount Zion. You're at the apex of Christianity, and that is flat out not the truth. But not only is it not true, you don't see it typified in Scripture. Is it an epic experience? Absolutely. But it, it is meant as an empowerment to take you in to the promises of God and to possess what rightfully belongs to you. It's not the end. It's still really, in many ways, a beginning. Now there are some that are watching me and you, you have not yet had the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You don't yet have your what we would call your prayer language. You don't speak in tongues. And that's something that if if you've been pursuing that for some time. Uh, oftentimes there can be a little blockage. And that's something often that's between you and the Holy Spirit, where you've just, just fixed that one little thing. And He'll, uh, I tell you what, Jesus will fill you quickly with this Holy Spirit. Glory to God! I got it very easy when I found out about it and I heard about it and you heard some teaching on it. I'm like, I want that, and so I went up, boom, got it. I mean, I, I'd been told for years and years that it was not of God; those things didn't happen anymore. But the moment I did hear about it, and I, I tell you what, I wanted it, and I, I didn't really have anything in my heart holding me back from it. So I, I when the when the pastor laid hands on me, boom, just tongues started coming out of me. Uh, it, it was wonderful. It was it was tremendous. But sometimes. You pray for people, and uh, it's just not—it's not kicking in. So usually, if something like that's going on, there's something they need to uh, get right with God. And sometimes it's just a small thing. I remember there was one man who was praying in his house, and he said, "Lord Jesus, I really want the baptism in Your Holy Spirit." And he said, "I want You to fill me with Your Spirit." And the Lord spoke to him and said, "Free the bird." this man had, uh, a little while earlier, some uh, some weeks earlier, for whatever reason, had captured a wild bird, and put it in a cage in his house, and he just liked, he just liked having it there. I mean, this was a, bo- a bird, though, that's supposed to fly. It's a, you know, it's like a raptor, or something like that. And he had caged this beautiful bird, and the bird's sad, and sitting in, in the cage, this majestic creature, and it's sitting there. And so, so this man, you know, again, he was saying, you know, Lord, I want the baptism in your Holy Spirit. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Free the bird. And he did. He went over and he took the cage, put it by the window, opened up the cage, the bird flew out. And the moment, my friends, the moment he released the bird, Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) He started talking in tongues right there on the spot. So sometimes there's just something little. Sometimes there's something little. How can how can you get freedom if you're holding something else captive? So, sometimes there's just something small, get that right with the Lord, and the Lord's, uh, as soon as you're ready, trust me, He's ready. This is not like something you have to wait and tarry. That's, that's the old time Pentecostal circles where you had to tarry for weeks and years, and then maybe He'd give it to you. Uh, that, that was a flawed doctrine. We now know that's not true. And I, I thank the Lord that that was something I was able to skip over. By the time I was in Pentecost, I already, already learned that, you know, that was like early 1900s. But uh, today, if you want it, you can get it. I mean, you can get fast too. If you, as soon as you've got the faith for it and you know it's in the word, boom! Glory to God. I, I've had a lot of people tell me they've been filled with the Spirit just in their own prayer time, just hanging out with the Lord. Just kept getting closer to the Lord, and tongues just start coming out. Praise the Lord! So let that let that be something you're going to need it. It is. Is it the ultimate? It's really good, but no, it's not the ultimate. But I will say this: I don't really, I don't. I don't even know if you can reach the top of the mountain without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit through what we know as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You may do some wonderful things and make an impact, but without the baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, there's just there's going to be elements of God's goodness you cannot navigate into. You're really going to need the Holy Spirit. So, if you have not yet had that in feeling, be sure to seek the Lord for it, and you can get it now. That is a gift. I have of laying hands on people, and they receive very, very easy. Um, but you know, I, I can't, I can't be everywhere. So, um, uh, you know, that's something. If you really want it, you between you and the Lord, you just talk it over, you can have it. Praise God, glory, glory to God. So you have salvation, leaving Egypt, water baptism, going down into the Red Sea, popping up on the other side. Bye bye Egypt. It's wonderful, but remember, they're out of Egypt, but Egypt is not yet out of them. That was a major problem. That's why they had forty years extended uh, extended uh, time in the in the wilderness. Praise God. And then, of course, Exodus chapter nineteen, Mount Sinai experience, all going on on Pentecost. That represents the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But on we go. On we go. We have to get to something special. Uh, of course, as we're getting up to that moment when the Spirit takes us to the Jordan River. See, here's the thing. You, you back then just couldn't go when you wanted to go. You had to follow the cloud by day. The cloud is providing what we would call basically air conditioning. Because you've ever been out in the, uh, uh, even, even southern Israel, the Negev, smoking hot, you know, just all desert, much less the Sinai, which is a completely um, different area. Uh, You know, easily 140 degrees Fahrenheit. So you definitely want to stay under the cloud. It's not like you could just hit out on your own. You'd probably die. So you have to follow the cloud during the day. You have to follow the fire by night. So it's not like you can just rush through this because you're on uh, you're kind of, you're, you know, God's working with you, and you're, you're following the Lord, and, and He's working, uh, trying to get you free, and stuff like that. This is a process. So, you just can't show up at the Jordan River, say, I'm ready to go in. The Holy Spirit really takes you there. That's why 1 Corinthians 10, looking back, all of those things were written as examples for us. It's all for our admonition. Why? We are on a similar journey, to go into the maturity of Christ, where His image is in us as a mature believer. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It's very, very exciting. And of course, the Israelites, they fumbled the ball. They fumbled the ball often during the wilderness testings. We see that. We see that, unfortunately, mentioned uh, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 22. Uh, it's not really unfortunate that it's mentioned. I'm very glad it's mentioned. It's unfortunate that it happened, because it didn't, it didn't have to. Neither does it have to happen to us, which is why we can read their flops, their fumbles, and think, okay, I am not going to do that. I'm not going to let that happen in my life. That will not befall me. Numbers 14, verse 22. Because all these men who have seen my glory, and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have put me to the test now these ten times, and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. Praise the Lord. They're listed in Scripture are ten times where the Israelites completely blew it. And it says here that they have put me to the test now these 10 times and have not heeded my voice. There were 10 direct times they were tested, and guess what? They failed 100%. Now, it's good if you pass with 100%, but if you're failing with 100%, you know what? that's the group that never got to the Jordan. By the time the young people got there the old ones were all dead. God wanted them to pass off the scene because of their unbelief, but they had failed major tests ten times. What I'm going to try to do in the coming weeks is teach what those ten major failures were. Why are you going to do that Pastor Steve? And that's the Old Testament. I'm going to do it because I don't want you to fail on any of them. Because what they went through you will not go through your Christian journey without encountering the same 10 test. Woo! That's why we need to study the Old Testament. Hallelujah. <laughs> what they went through, the journey of Israel, very much correlates, parallels the spiritual journey of the believer, and they failed. Ten major tests. May you pass all ten and say bye-bye to the wilderness experience. Lord, we give you praise today. And, of course, verse 24 says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him to the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. So, Caleb, of course, and Joshua, who's the leader after Moses, those two, and that young generation, they went in. And that's, that's very, very important. Um, you may be wondering, well, why did they go in? That doesn't seem right. Well, they went in because they had a different spirit. The Bible says that they had a spirit of faith. The, the Israelites that all died in the wilderness, they had a spirit of unbelief. So it's important to have a spirit of faith. And the Apostle Paul uh, mentioned that. Let me read that to you. That of course will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, it's the same spirit that David had, the same spirit that Joshua had, the same spirit that Caleb had. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed. Believed what? What God said. I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. So I, I do the same thing. If you have a spirit of faith, You don't say we're going under, we're all gonna get wiped out. You would never ever say something like that. Why? Wrong spirit. If you want if you want to die in the wilderness and never complete your assignment and calling in life. Then just grumble and complain all the time and say things like, Nothing ever works out for me. It's not working for me. If you say stuff like that, you you're you're on a very dangerous ground. You can lock yourself into a place where you never even get past the Jordan River. You never even have that experience. You much less going into Canaan land and conquering all that God has said, This is your rightful possession. I mean, it's waiting for you. Woo, glory to God. So if you want to get out of the wilderness, You are going to absolutely have to have a spirit of faith that says, I'm blessed. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, and I'm going over and God is with me, and great things are taking place in my life. Praise God. And you have to you have to believe it. And if you believe it, according to what the apostle Paul said, you'll also speak it. You'll say it. You'll say it. And that's not being arrogant or proud. That's being biblical. That's being biblical. Because I say things like, I'm not getting sick. I'm not getting sick. The only times I get sick, or if I do something silly, and I push myself too hard, and oftentimes if I'm about to make a mistake like that, Kelly will say, "Stephen, you you're working too hard. You're pushing your body too hard." And sometimes I've done that. I've run myself down uh, too much ministry work and trying to do different things of work. And then I'd get sick, you know, get my, my immune system weak and catch a cold or something like that. Then I have to turn around and repent. And of course, when I do repent, usually the cold is over with within not three weeks, usually three days, three days maybe max, praise God. But even still, I don't even like having a cold for three days. I mean, who likes having their nose stopped up? Who likes being sick? Who likes going to the toilet and throwing up? I don't think there's anything fun about vomiting. So um, I, I'm just not into sickness. So I just, I just believe, and therefore because I do, I speak that, that God is my healer. He is my healer, and not only that, He can keep me from getting sick in the first place. After all, He said, I will not put on you the sicknesses and the diseases that I put on the Egyptians. I will not put them on you when you serve me. He said, I'll bless your food, your drink, your water. Woo! Hallelujah. So that's my confession, I'm in health, I'm staying in health, and I'm walking in health, walking in prosperity, walking in the goodness of the land, hallelujah, enjoying the Lord, and it's only getting better, getting people saved, getting people filled with the Holy Spirit, on on fire for God, uh, in love with the Lord, and have no plans ever on backsliding, hallelujah, we'll never do it, glory to God. That's my confession, that is my confession, I'll serve the days, I'll serve the Lord all the days of my life. Hallelujah. What is all this, Pastor Stephen? Spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. You have to have it. If you want to cross the Jordan, you will have to have it. <laughs> Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Let me, let me show you, uh, show you uh, something with you this morning. I'm excited. Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to say a hundred things within a, a very short period of time. Um, Ephesians chapter 3. I want to show this to you this is a bonus. I'm going to give you a bonus this morning. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Let me read that again. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we dare ask or think or imagine according to the power that works in us. Powerful, powerful, powerful. God is able to do above and beyond, exceedingly above and beyond, all that you could dare ask or think or imagine. How does He do it? He does it according to the power that works in you. Have you ever wondered what that is? What is this power that works in you that allows God to do above and beyond, how can we say, your wildest dreams? what is it? What is the power? Because it's according to the power that works in you. What is that? It's the spirit of faith. It is the spirit of faith. And when you have a spirit of faith that you're going over, God will not only put you over, He'll put you over in special, unique ways. You believe for something special, you have the spirit of faith, oftentimes it manifests, and it's even better than what you could have even thought or imagined. And I had something happen this past week that I think it was 14 years ago, I held a picture in my hand, and I said, one day, this will be a reality. And I thought, that would be wild for that to happen. I mean, I thought for that to happen would be, would be epic. And I held the picture in my hand, and I said, one day, this is going to be a reality in my life. And guess what? This past week, it was, it happened. It happened. And it's one of those things where you just stop and you think, God does above and beyond even. And He does all this through the spirit of faith that works in you, because I never doubted that He would do it. Did it take a while? Yep. Took about 14 years. But was it worth it? Yes, because when it actually happened, it was, it was even better than what the picture was. I thought this would be the highest that I could ever desire. And what actually happened was just, it, it was it was beyond that. It was literally beyond that. I tell you what, this verse is true. Now, to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above, and uh, above all that you could dare ask, imagine, or think, according to the power that works in you. That power working in you is the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. You're going to have to be like Joshua and Caleb. Um. I'm going to need to break it to some of you. Maybe there's some young believers that are watching. You're, you've only been a Christian for a young time. There are there are a lot of doubters and powders and do withouters in the church. Are they saved? Yes. Do they love Jesus? Yes. Do they believe the Bible is true? Yes. Do they act like it? Sometimes absolutely not. And sometimes they they say things that are just loaded. They're they're loaded with unbelief. Just loaded with unbelief. And and it's. It's not like they're using profanity or cursing, but in some ways it can be just as grievous uh, because it really, it really speaks low of what Jesus accomplished for us at Calvary with just um, real, real, um, real negative talk, real negative talk. That's why so many of them perished in the wilderness. That's why so many believers never have victory. And they never get over into the good blessings that God has for them. Why? Just negative, horrible, doubting, pouting, talking. And it's it's awful. And so you're going to have to seek out those that have not the spirit of doubt, but the spirit of Joshua and Caleb, the spirit of faith. Why? Those are the ones that go in. Not only go in, go in and conquer. Woohoo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now say this say, I have the spirit of faith say, I have the spirit of faith, praise the Lord. That's just, that's just something a little extra I wanted to give to you today. All right, let's go to Joshua chapter 3. Let's get on over to that Jordan River, praise the Lord. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. And it says, So it was, when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. So, uh, let me just take a little break there just for a moment. When you go to Israel today, and I'm not even going to say if you ever go, you will go, praise God. If you believe that with the spirit of faith, say, yes, I will. Because every believer, I believe, needs to go at least... at least once in their life, and by God's grace, may you go many times more. But when you go to the Jordan River, uh, you know when you first see it, you, you might be a little bit—how can we say—unimpressed. You you think this is it? All of these great stories and grandiose, uh, you know, things I have in my mind about the Jordan River, and you you maybe you see it. I remember the first time I saw it, uh, and when the tour guide said, "There it is, right there," and uh, it was so narrow and so shallow, you could almost. You could almost jump across it. I I, I couldn't jump all the way. I wouldn't want to try because I knew I'd land in the water. But yeah, there are some places that are like that. Why is it like that today when here in the Bible that you see that it would just flood and be an impassable, you know, river because of dams. And you know, so you have got different nations. You have the nation of Jordan pulling water. You have the you have the the people of Israel pulling water from it. And you know, up above them with Lebanon, you, you know, everybody's wanting to tap into the river and uh, you know, and irrigate their fields and stuff like that. So all of that causes the water level to get lower, 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 lower. And so today, uh, it's not like it was during these times when it would just be, you know. But I'll tell you this though, there are times when. Uh, the snow's melting on Mount Hermon, and that water's coming down. It's, it, uh, it's pretty deep. It is pretty deep, and you certainly wouldn't want to be in it. Praise God, during those, uh, those moments when it's really rolling. But it's not anything, of course, like what it used to be. Praise the Lord. Now, verse 16, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still. Okay, so the waters are flowing. The priests carrying the ark get their feet into the water, okay, And the waters which came down from upstream stood still. So the river stops flowing, and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. So it stopped, and there was a backing up of it to Adam, the city that is beside Zaretan. Okay, so the waters were stopped, and they were pushed back all the way to Adam. Now, the crossing of the Jordan is a spiritual symbol, it's a type of our sinful Adamic nature being dealt with it's 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 really getting serious about dealing with your flesh and that was the thing with the children of Israel they'd been out of egypt for quite a while now but egypt was still in them wandering around in the wilderness you know they they uh, you know a, a lot of people believe that uh the sinai area was really in what is known today as uh saudi arabia and that there seems to be a lot of evidence uh, that are that is validating that and I just I just heard a few days ago that the um the Saudi government is going to be making a national park in the area where it would appear that the Israelites camped and I mean there, there's there's hieroglyphics on the rocks that were carved there and that it appears that that the Israelites did that remember they came out of Egypt and so now they're putting hieroglyphic carvings on rocks and uh there's there's uh symbols of of the menorah carved into uh Rocks, and uh, you know, because they were carrying around the tabernacle of Moses, and so there seems a lot of evidence that that could have been where it was at. But you know, the whole time they're in the wilderness and so forth, they've left Egypt, but Egypt is still in them. They're carrying around uh, you know, little bitty idols and uh, little bitty uh, uh things that you know reminded them of Egypt and their you know, the you know, golden calf experience and all the all kinds of things like that. But here. Here, finally, God is dealing. Now, they've already had, from the Christian perspective, you've already had salvation, you've already had a water baptism, you've even, you've even had baptism in the Holy Spirit, but there's just still stuff there uh, that can be like a longing to go back into the world. I've met a lot of Christians, even in Pentecostal circles, talking in tongues, yet they've had, they've had some real challenges with some really yucky urges. Uh, even some demon problems of uh, harassment and stuff like that. Why? It's, it's like they were never circumcised. It's like, but it's like Egypt never really got severed and cut off. That's what the Jordan River experience is all about. It's dealing with the sinful Adamic nature. Remember, the water was backed all the way up to Adam all of this. Remember the Apostle Paul said 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's all examples. It's all types. We can look at it. We can read it. Their natural journey is, is in many ways very similar to our spiritual journey. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's the dealing of the Adamic nature. Praise God. The cutting off of that once and for all. We see it laid out very clear. Uh, two chapters later, Joshua chapter 5 verse 7 then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way Will you stop and think about the craziness of that that these people in in the Sinai desert the Israelites knowing that they needed to be circumcised never circumcised their children what a rebellious act what a rebellious thing. Mm-mm. Verse 8 So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed, because that, that would be painful for a few days. Verse 9 Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, they called, therefore, the, excuse me, the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day, the rolling away of the reproach the rolling away of the reproach, finally cutting it off, finally cutting it off. And this deals with the, the foreskin of the flesh being cut off with the sword of circumcision. Well, they used flint knives, but we, we can understand the power of the Word to work in our lives. And really, this relates to Romans chapter 6, verse 6. I think we need to take a look at that knowing this, that our old man, see that's the Adamic nature, our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. So the Jordan River experience is really the backing up of the waters to Adam, finally dealing with the sin nature, with the reproach of Egypt, that this weird longing to want to go back, still, you know, having something in your heart that wants to tinker around with something sinfully dangerous, even though you're a believer baptized in the Spirit, you still have these, some of these issues, it's finally dealing with that, and cutting that. Glory to God. That's that Romans 6.6 experience where it says, knowing this, where you where you know you're having encounters with the with, with the sword of circumcision, and it works in your life. It's cutting in your life. I want to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But we also have the uh, the same experience mentioned for us in Galatians chapter two, verse twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. See, that is the Jordan River experience. That's the circumcision at the Jordan. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. See, you you have to get like that. There's a lot of Christians, they love the Lord. I know a lot of Spirit-filled believers, they love the Lord, but they're going to live for themselves. They love the Lord. They want to try to do the Lord's will some, but it's really all about me. And until they deal with that, you cannot cross that river and go into that promised land. You can see it. You're real close. You can see it, but you can't go in. Glory to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise the Lord. Praise be unto the Lord forever. No more wanting to go back to the world. Done with it, finished with it. There's nothing out there that you have any interest in. You don't want to be drunk, you don't want to be immoral, you don't want to be a liar. You don't want to take bribes, you don't want to be a cheater, you don't want to heal, hear dirty jokes, you don't want to you you don't want to be engaged in crude behavior. You just want to live for the Lord. You are consumed in Christ and with the things of Christ. You're dead to the world. That my friends is the circumcision, the cutting off of the foreskin of the flesh of your heart. You just say I'm done with all of it. Done with it. Glory to God forever. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. The Apostle Paul writing said, "For Demas, has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has left and departed for thessalonica demas serving serving Paul what what a privilege you're serving Paul, the Apostle, who wrote thirteen books in the New Testament, and you just bail out and leave you 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 had a door." Like that, you had a, you had you had favor and honor to serve Paul, and he left. Why he he never he never had the Jordan River experience. Demas Demas never dealt with something in his heart where he just cut that stuff of whatever that pool would be. Never dealt with it. Believer, you know, you know, speak in tongues, work in miracles. Watch Paul do miracles. Still bailed out. And Demas went back into the world. Mm. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Well, I'm sure he wishes he hadn't have done that now, because his life is very short, just like yours and mine. And even if you live to be 120, it's just like a vapor. It's over with before you know it. Glory to God. You need to live for the Lord. There's something out there in the world that you need. There's no sin. See, here's the enticement of sin. Sin basically says, I can offer you more pleasure than what God can. And it's an absolute, it's a, it, it's a, it, it's a lunatic lie. It's a lie. Praise God forever. If you've never had the circumcision moment, that, that needs to be something where, like Paul said, Romans 6, 6, knowing this. Well, you really know that I'm done. I'm I'm fed up and finished with monkeying around and messing around with the world. And you begin to have what I call flaming sword of circumcision encounters with the Lord. Mmm, glory, glory. With a sword of circumcision begins to cut the flesh of foreskin off of your heart. And suddenly it could be things that you've been doing as a believer, as a tongue-talking, spirit-filled believer. could be things that you've been doing for 30 or 40 years, and the Lord opens your eyes, and you see that that's inappropriate behavior. And you're like, dear Lord, I've never seen that before. It could be something right beneath your nose. And you're like, I never noticed that before. What's going on? The sword is cutting, and God's saying, you need to deal with this once and for all. Let's cut this thing. Let's get this off. Let's get you across the Jordan. Let's get you into the promised land, and you start possessing what rightfully belongs to you. Glory to God. And th- th- it, sometimes it can be things that we've done that maybe we haven't even noticed. Maybe we did notice, but we just never dealt with it. Sometimes maybe some things it's like you can't even see it, but that flaming sword of circumcision shows up, and that's how you know you're having. Jordan moments and you're about to go over because God's cutting. God says deal with this and let's cut this off and just drop this forever. You'll be free free from it for the rest of your life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you Lord Jesus. And he's cutting. Yes, he is. He's cutting. What does he cut with? What is this flaming sword of circumcision? the Word of God. Oh, I, I've read that, Pastor Stephen. Yep. And you get ready for, your, see, see, you can't get yourself to the Jordan. You're led there by the Spirit. You're led by the cloud. You're led there by the fire. But you finally show up. Now it's time for your Jordan encounter, and, you're, and now now you see it. Now you see it, and God says, says get, get the knife, get the sword, get it sharp. We're going to deal with this now. What happens? The reproach of Egypt is cut And there is something in your heart that says, I'm done. I am absolutely, totally done with it now forever. It's a glorious experience. What's next? You go across the Jordan and into the promised land hallelujah oh when we get there Pastor Stephen now now it's a wrap now it's all over with no that's that's when warfare begins because you're going to possess and the enemy is already terrified of you but they'll put up a fight that's okay boom you go in by faith and you take it and you take it and you take it and you just keep taking the promises walking in the promised land oh that means we've got it all now Pastor Stephen no no not till you get to Zion and you go to the top finally, somebody rose up and took Jerusalem from the Jebusites, David, and he named it Zion. What is Zion? It means the headquarters is finally established. This is the Mount of God. And then, of course, in that area, uh, the threshing floor of Warren and the Jebusite, now we have the temple built. Oh, glory to God. You know, Solomon comes along and builds the temple. David knew the spot, But that's that's Zion. This is the dwelling place of God. Glory to God. It's the it's the close walk with God, and you're hearing from God, and your life is governed by the Word and governed by the leading of the Spirit, and the mature image of Christ begins to bear forth in your life. (laughs) That's where you're going. That's where you're going. Hallelujah! You're going up to the mountain of God. You're going up to Zion. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, pray for your people. I I see over many in the spirit the flaming sword of circumcision, ready to work, ready to work, ready to cut. Now, Father, we thank you that the adamic nature was dealt with at the Jordan River. The water was backed up to Adam. And then they could cross over. So, Father, we just thank you for the cutting, the healing, And the going into the promised land. Any stronghold, Father, anything of Egypt, any type of demonic hook in your people, let it be taken out by your spirit. Let it be taken out by your spirit right now in Jesus' name. The sword, this is the word, this is the word of God. It is a sharp, two edged sword. It's so sharp it can sever between spirit and soul. Some people think they're in the spirit, they're actually in their soul. The word severs that. It is so sharp and precise. And it cuts. Cuts what? Cuts the flesh out. Cuts the flesh off. It allows you to see it, first of all. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And then that sword just cuts. Glory to God. And when that happens, just lay out and say, God, go to work. Lord, I, you know, I, I can't really do this. This is something you have to do, Lord. But Lord, I give you full permission. Do your surgical work and cut this thing out of my life may it never have a hook or a pull in my life ever again for your glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You go free today. You go free today. May you have your Jordan encounter with the flaming sword of circumcision, and may every promise that God has for you, may in your lifetime, may you fulfill every promise, may you take every inheritance that He has rightfully said, this is yours. You don't have to take everything under the sun. All you have to do is take what rightfully belongs to you and complete your assignment and rise into the things of the Lord. Glory to God. Don't tinker around with your calling. Don't tinker around with, don't play around with your life assignment. It is sacred. You don't get a second do-over. It says in Ecclesiastes, where a tree falls, there it lies. Trees representing The human life. When your life is over, it's over. You can't say, oh, now that I realize this is all really important, let's go back and do it again. No, it doesn't work like that. Reincarnation is a lie. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It's once and done. There's a lot of people that wish they could get a second take, but you can't. You need to live for the Lord, and go all out for the Lord. You'll be so glad you did when it's all said and done. when you're in your old age and you're beginning to get to the final days, you will be so glad that you went all out for the Lord. You'll be so glad. the the, the man that they called the Empire builder, Cecil Rhodes, who had northern and Southern Rhodesia, he kind of named it after himself. It's modern- day Zimbabwe, but with all of this massive wealth and resources that he had, uh, you know, developed and but just you know, they called him the Empire Builder. All of his mega, mega, mega wealth. At the end of his life, one day he looked at a man in the corner. That man was William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. And in his old, old age, Cecil Rhodes looked at William Booth and said, "I'd give everything if my life could have been like his." If I could have the peace that that man has, I'd give everything. But see, you have to think about what will the end result will be. If you continue on the journey that you're continuing right now and it's wrong, what will be the end result of that? Do you want to end up at the end of your life stuck in that place where that road will take you? Or do you want to live for the Lord? Live your life for the Lord. And you get to the end of that path, and you'll be so happy, so happy so happy. Glory to God. The choice is yours. Let the Lord work on your heart today. Father, I pray for your people that the flaming sword of circumcision have freedom, have freedom to cut. We thank you, Father God. We thank you in the name of Jesus. I see your people going into the Canaan land, possessing every promise you have for them with joy, with joy. Walking in the spirit of the fear of the Lord, careful living. Father, we give you praise. We worship you. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Let's take holy communion together. If you're a Christian, you're a believer, please let us take communion together. Praise the Lord. When we do this, the Lord is here with us, He's among us. And of course, when He's among us, He's speaking to our hearts. He's working in our lives. The Holy Spirit's working. The sword of the Lord is working. The sword of circumcision is working. All kinds of good things are taking place. Hallelujah. Please take some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread, for the juice. We bless it. We consecrate it. We thank you. This is now the flesh and the blood of Christ, our Savior, our Lord. Father, we take the body of Jesus. We receive it by faith. Lord, let us be people that have the spirit of faith. We understand, Father, that walking in that spirit can convict certain people because they're not walking in that, even believers. And they can be jealous or angry or maybe respond in a nasty way. But, Father, we will love them and help us to stay in the spirit of faith because we must have faith to possess all that you've told us to do. We can't even please you without faith. So, Father, we must have faith Strengthen our faith, O God, as we receive the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Let's receive. Well, it's quite apparent that while the children of Israel had the forty years wilderness experience, they were out of Egypt, but had a whole lot of Egypt still in them. But at Jordan, It was dealt with. The Lord even said, today I've rolled that reproach off of you. Praise God. Today, if 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 that's something that's speaking to you, although you're saved, washed with the blood of Jesus, water baptized, filled with the Spirit, there may be some things that have still maybe been a little bit of a fish hook, wanting to pull you back to the world system, back to Egypt. Today, through the sword of circumcision, may that be cut from you, and may that That pull just be gone forever. You're free. Now, just focus on the Lord. Keep pursuing the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive your very best in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise God forever. Meditate on the blessings that God has shown you that this is for you. I mean, when there's something that moves your heart, you're like, God, I believe you're going to do that for me. Meditate on those things. See yourself possessing that. See yourself coming into that. You can use your faith for that. You can use your faith for more than just salvation, more than just being filled with the Spirit. Use your faith to come into the blessings of the Lord. Amen. I see you doing that. The spirit of faith, the spirit of Joshua and Caleb in your heart. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, thanks for watching today. I'll see you back.